In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... I would like to speak to America's men for one minute. That slacker barista. I start getting full of emotion. Now we're going to build this new bridge here. Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No, I can't. Betch Up Podcast. Like, how are people surviving? Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Millie Tamaris. And this is the Betch Up Podcast, where politics meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news. Billy, mm-hmm. I, I have a really intimate question for you. We've gotten to know each other. You were at my wedding. Yep. I think it's time we go over this. Have you have you ever been so deeply aroused by a corporate mascot that you simply had to vocalize it on a public platform? Honestly, there's a <laughs> Oh no. Am I sorry I asked? No, there's a there's um a, a live nest quick like camp, like activation with a guy in a costume and um i did take a picture of him like kissing me uh and i put it on my and i put it on my platform so yeah um i put it on my platform I put, okay so i put that picture and then there's like a sexy like buff nest quick like that brown bunny mm. <laughs> um i'm gonna need this content to promote this episode i'm, I'm gonna to you because it's yeah. from like 2016 on my thing i was at a pool public pool and there's a next nest quick van and i took a picture with the mascot wow. famously for me though i'm corporate mascots are tough but well i I, the- I do have a selection here yes and yes, i'm yes, curious yes. if any of these men you know we are beholding the brawny man tony the tiger mm-hmm. the green giant who i forgot about mr clean mr mm-hmm. peanut and uh, the Snap Crackle Pop Elves. Now, Millie, one of these Snap Crackle Pop Elves, I think, is your type. Like, this is definitely a, a Bushwick haircut. You know, some, you have dated somebody with this haircut who wears a handkerchief around their neck. Okay. Sorry that I date French guys. I mean, <laughs> Uh, you took you took my layup. You went right there. Sorry that I've dated. Okay, that that's so funny that you're saying that I look. I, I've dated. I would say that the pop is actually closer to my type than the crackle. Mm-hmm. But but the crackle does look like my ex. Yes, mm-hmm. I will say. Okay, so um, the brownie guy. That's a corn fed thick man. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily my type. I don't really like a a, a you know. I like a I like a little you know. Uh, effeminate <laughs> European, you know, someone yeah. that I know I can break. So I'm sorry, Bronny. No. Um, you know, I took the Keebler elf on off of here, but you know, now, now what you're saying makes me think I should have kept him back on. I don't know about the Keebler elf, but like, okay, someone who's just a little bit in touch with the feminine side. Therefore, Tony the Tiger and the Jolly Green Giant, both of them, you know, I'm I'm picking up what they're putting down. I'm picking up what they're putting down a little silly. They don't take themselves too seriously. Brownie, we have to ask. The Brownie yeah. man, where was he? <laughs> January 6, 2021. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, these trees and the shirt. Listen, Green Giant, Jolly Green Giant man, I'm attracted to him. However, he's definitely skipping leg day. Do you That's, see this? Yeah. You the know arms what? are great. He's wearing a mini dress. 
And I will tell you, this this Mr. Clean is doing it for me. Yeah, yeah he would. He <laughs> totally would. He he's like a. a <laughs> what is it, Xavier from the X-Men buff? Yeah. Um, we love a man that cleans. You know, honestly, something about me, I don't think you know I'm getting, we're getting intimate. I think Michael Keaton, I'd fuck him now, I'd fuck him back. <laughs> He's very sexy. And what was his sexiest Absolutely. role? Mr. Mom. <laughs> I think uh, it was Jack Frost. Jack Frost! <laughs> Jack Frost. So it's Snowman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Snowman does the it for snowman. me. But for me, I love I'm to like, watch men melt. Oh, I love a man that fucking cleans his house. And that's why Mr. Clean's going to do it for me. Now, Mr. Peanut, do I love the swag? I think he's got it. The monocle, the top hat, sexy, but also. He seems like a bit of a fuckboy. The top hat is giving pickup artists. He has an anecdote about a ring. I don't trust Mr. Peanut. I no. don't trust him. I think they also, the brand, did make some, elect to make some changes with his appearance. Is there anyone we haven't addressed? Tony the Tiger, I guess we're not really indulging our bestiality uh, kink today. Green Giant is a human, we're going to say. I said I love, I, I, I would Tony the Tiger oh, for sure. Listen, am I above cartoon bestiality? No, because who's the sexiest, who's the sexiest Disney character? The uh, fox Simba. from... <laughs> You say Simba, wow. Grown Simba. Grown Simba. I say uh, the fox from Robin Hood. (laughs) He's got something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I would say, okay, this is problematic. I say adult Kovu, Scar's son, is Mm -hmm. the sexiest. Sorry to all our listeners who I mean, come here for political is, discourse. This is polarizing. This is polarizing stuff. And uh, and for that reason, maybe for that reason, I don't know. What we're obviously talking about is that M&M's, is, uh, <laughs> they said that they are repealing their spokes candies because they are too polarizing and divisive. Now, this seems uh, like it's so more of lame. a... I know. I saw this and it's like, this is lame if they really were capitulating, but... If it's more of a Super Bowl stunt, it's just a little bit corny. I don't know. Whatever. It's, it's that I'll, I'll accept that. But I just love Tucker Carlson saying that the, <laughs> that the obese purple lemon, I mean, the purple uh, lesbian <laughs> M&M is offensive when it's really just the peanut. <laughs> it's a peanut M&M is always more oblong shaped than... It's just like real M&M's have curbs, Tucker Carlson. <laughs> I saw a tweet that was like, um, does M&M realize that Fox News hosts don't like the color of Maya Rudolph either? Yikes. I don't get that. Well, because she's not white. Interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, because she's the voice of the... Well, they said that she's going to be their new spokeswoman. So she's going to be in their Super Bowl commercial. That was oh. the weird, like the the announcement like took a bizarre turn where they were like, and by the way, Maya Rudolph. Uh, Maya okay, Rudolph. yeah, I think um, it's just it's it's actually you know Tucker Carlson, he's good at what he does mm-hmm. because he finds a way. If he's gonna find, he's gonna he's find a way not only to make candy racist, sexist, fat phobic, and homophobic. Like that is some skill. That is some top notch skill. And, you know, we applaud him for that. You know, they say that he was a Nepo baby, that maybe the Swanson's mm-hmm. Swanson's chicken <laughs> uh, fame has got to it. But, you know, that's a man who's really doing it for himself. Absolutely. Absolutely. So before we get into our discussion today, we have a guest coming on in a few moments. But we, of course, wanted to take a moment to hold space for the seven victims of last night's mass shooting in Half Moon Bay, California. 
this is the third shooting in two days. It's like since this morning updated to like the 40th mass shooting in 24 days. Uh, this is a crisis. We've also learned that the 11 people have now been killed uh, in the Monterey Park attack. The motives are not known in either shooting. The shooter in Half Moon Bay was taken into custody without incident. And there's video of that online as well as, you know, really upsetting video of the 26-year-old dance hall owner in Monterey Bay disarming the 72-year-old assailant who later took his own life in a standoff with police. So a pair of, I mean, not even just, not a pair, not to lump these two together because there are mass shootings every day, every mm -hmm. night, more than five people getting shot. This was, this was not, this was not the least of them uh, yesterday, but certainly when they compound like this, there it's, it's a really dark feeling for everybody. Yeah. With the Monterey Park shooting and this one, you know, I think people were very quick to frame it as like, of racially motivated and it, it you know because it's within intercommunity but i think at the end of the day it is all like it shouldn't be easier to buy a gun than it is to get help mm -hmm. um because obviously yep, exactly. you know these these people that are are doing this like they need help like nobody who's in their right mind will just walk into a place especially in such a celebratory time of year it's the new it's new yeah. year's for you know um it's lunar new year so for someone to like take a time of joy and just want to shoot someplace up you know i think there's a lot you know there's a lot to be said about people who you know this vulnerable population that gets radicalized mm -hmm. and all this yeah. of like you know young white men but if it's just people in general you know should be able to get resources for yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll definitely be on the lookout if we learn of ways where you can support those communities. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click gift mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. 
Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Today we are back and we have such a special guest in the group chat today. We are here with Annie Wu Henry. She's a political communications and digital strategist who was the social media producer, of course, for John Fetterman's hugely viral and, of course, ultimately successful Senate campaign. She has generously joined us all the way from Philadelphia. Annie, finally, we're so happy to have you in the Betches office. I am so excited to be here and it's so cute. <laughs> You really dressed on theme. You were like, yeah, I'm oh going to embrace the feminine and come in in all pink, baby. Absolutely. Oh, oh man. I mean, I want to dive right into it. I want to know what your life was like a year ago, but I also kind of want to know uh, what has it been like since November? What was the election date? Fifth this year? What has your life been like since then? I feel like you are in a new city every day. What are you doing and why? I feel like I've been an object in motion, stays in motion, <laughs> and I like have been trying to do all the things since November 8th, which is like a date Eight. seared into my brain. Um, but a year ago, it's it's crazy how much can happen in a year. And I think there was like a tweet that was going around that was like, I lived like so many different lives in 2022, which for me was just so true because of like my career shifts and I have always been kind of in the political world in this quasi like yeah. internet space but I it wasn't my full career and that's really because getting into politics is a risk and the work is inconsistent it's mm. not super stable and I am not from the privilege that I I cannot have stability to a sense mm -hmm. and so I was doing government affairs, I was doing social media, I was doing communications and all these different types of full-time jobs and then doing things on the side to try to get myself into this space and obviously network and meet people and, and yeah. get an understanding there um, and have people like think of me credibly in this work. But at the same time, I wasn't fully working in campaigns. I hadn't done a cycle. This is my first cycle, which mm, I don't think mm -hmm. people... Uh, right. No, like I got offered a job. Um, it was like organizing and things like that back in Pennsylvania with Biden Harris back in 2020. And I was out in California at the time. And I was not at the place in like my financial life and my personal life, like geographically, that I could just like quit my job, move back, work for like the last four or five months of the campaign, and then like be left with what am I doing next? And where is my health care, unfortunately? Yeah. Mm. Um, where, where, How am I paying my bills? And so I really, like, prepared this year knowing, like, that's what I wanted to do when I got back to the East Coast. I worked, like, two full-time jobs, mm. saved up money to kind of give myself a little bit of cushion. I got started on a primary progressive challenger campaign that we knew was probably, you know, not going to win, but it got me a lot of hands-on experience really quickly. Yeah. And then... When I was finally ready, I like this summer, I took the leap into full-time work. And now it's kind of that in-between phase again. And thankfully, I 
did kind of prepare myself to have have some cushion and time after to be able to figure things out. And I'm really grateful that right now I have different options that I am looking at. Um, but yeah, trying to like do all the things, meet all the people, relax a, a little oh, bit, please. which I don't think I've gotten there yet. Um, but it's been it's been really fun. Um, and obviously the campaign was so fun and challenging within it, but we won ultimately, mm-hmm. which is just, you know, yeah, the real reason. We got to have one Zoom with you uh, towards the end of the campaign, and we were like, this woman needs to sleep. <laughs> but yeah, as you were talking, I mean, you're sharing your personal experience, but it's obviously such a perfect example of the pipeline issue in politics. Like, mm. you had to work so hard to make that possible, whereas there are plenty of people, like, frankly, a lot of just, like, white, rich men who's mm-hmm. just – Dad knows Nancy Pelosi, and it's it's effortless. And their and their parents are paying their rent while they like do this political, you know. But that's kind of also an issue because the pipeline issue. Then they start speaking, and the, those are the people who are like, "Oh, we need to focus on kitchen table issues." And <laughs> they haven't, you know, talked to anybody who's made minimum wage in the past five years. So they have no idea like what real people are, you know, or what people are struggling with, or people that are different than them. So like. That's why it is like it's a pipeline issue. And it's, that's why it's so important for all kinds of people to be in politics. And it's also so inspiring to hear like such an incredible young woman who like strategically knew what needed to get done and like yeah. did it. Like it's so cool. Like you're fucking awesome. I hate to be like girl boss <laughs> energy. Gatekeeper. It is. No, yeah, that's that's yeah. Like because you always read, you know, political memoirs or something. And it's always like such a romance. It's like I was so like just pulled in for the love of <laughs> the love of politics. And you're like, really, like straight about it. Like, this is what I had to do to make it, you know, work. So you talked about, you know, not being able to make the leap in 2020. Tell us how things lined up for you to be on the Federing campaign, because not only are you from Pennsylvania, right? Obviously, this candidate and his openness to a certain irreverence seem to line up perfectly. So how did that tell us how that happened? Yeah, I mean, I always talk about my dad was the one who introduced me to John Fetterman when I was in college. I was down at the time in the University of South Carolina. I've I've lived all over the place. I've lived I have oh lived a million lives. But I was down there and he was looking at his first Senate run way back. I believe it was like 2015, and we were on a on a FaceTime or something like that. And my dad, who grew up in York, Pennsylvania, he had heard about this mayor out in Braddock, Pennsylvania, and was was interested in it and was talking to me about, you know, there's this this mayor out in this small town and he's starting to like get some press about him. You should really look into him. And so I followed John's career, you know, because I followed politics, but obviously also because I'm from Pennsylvania. Um, pretty pretty extensively and I think I am from a rural conservative small town area in PA actually the same county that John's from York County and then I lived in Lancaster Pennsylvania for a little bit I lived in uh, Bethlehem Allentown um, area for college I live in Philadelphia now my mom's family's out in western Pennsylvania and so Pennsylvania is a really diverse state that obviously is so purple um and these areas in between philly and pittsburgh a lot of times people think of like pennsylvania and (laughs) you know i i don't agree with a lot of the politics that happen within there but i also like being from a lot of those communities i understand that you can't forget about those and they're uh, the people there aren't just like you know where you can't just 
dismiss them and say, well, they're dumb. They don't know what they're thinking. Like a lot of times it's just misinformation or disinformation or just ignorance or not being taught and um, living in such homogeneous like areas. It it is hard to understand some of these perspectives um, or diversity and things like that because it's just simply Mm -hmm. not around you and you just have Fox News on because your parents has it on. Um, And so it, 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 the way the campaign was being run with every county, every vote uh, was really close to home. And I got off the primary that I had been on in May. I took a little bit of time, quit my other job as well, and really was like, okay, how do I how do I get involved? And that, to me, was getting involved in organizing. And so I worked for a Pennsylvania organizing group called PA Stands Up, and they're absolutely incredible. They're in a bunch of different communities, a lot of these that I'm mentioning that are very red, doing really, really amazing on-the-ground work, and it was one of the most humbling jobs of that I've had because these people, they don't have you know, a, a million followers on Twitter. Yeah, they right. don't make the big money. They're not getting elected and having their names on posters, but they're doing a lot of this hard work that it starts in these communities, and I think that's where, like, caring about all of these things really has to start. And so I did that work. And while I was doing that in the summer, I had reached out to the campaign and said, you know, I know you guys are building out on the eastern side of the state. I'm around. I have background doing some of this stuff online and yeah. politics and kind of these ideas that I think could be implemented. I'm happy to help. And I kind of was like, you know, if yeah. I'll, I'll do a contract. I'll do like some freelance work or what, whatever it might be because I just want to be involved in some way. And after a few conversations, they came back and said, you know, we have we have some gaps that we are trying to fill. And if you'd be interested, would you be up to coming on full time? And, you know, it was I'll say like campaign work. It's an organizational work is not a big paycheck either. Um, but it, it was it was going to be tough. And it was mm-hmm. also knowing that like in come November after the campaign, like I was going to have to figure a lot of things out. And obviously we didn't know. I didn't know if there would be opportunities. I didn't right. know how mm-hmm. things were going to turn out. And so it was a leap of faith. But I said, I'm not doing this for the money. I'm not doing this because of XYZ. I'm doing it because I just I don't want to wake up on November 9th and say, I could have done more. Mm-hmm. And like, I wish I would have done xyz like woulda coulda shoulda not to make a taylor swift reference yeah but um (laughs) i like i I really just wanted to be involved however i could and so i i joined and it was it was exciting and it was fun and it was challenging and it was i learned so much and the team was just so incredible as well um i think that i like if i could go back what i do things differently i'm sure there are little things but i i'm really happy with the decision and um you know, I think I, I wouldn't have expected that mm-hmm. all of all of the things yeah. like last year. But yeah. um, I think life kind of brings you sometimes what what you need, and mm-hmm. this this was really great fit. Yeah. Well, this is the office to make Taylor Swift references. <laughs> <laughs> um, you said woulda, coulda, shoulda. Let's talk about ditta. <laughs> you did a masterful masterful job on the campaign balancing and dunking on Dr. Oz without propping him up or adding oxygen to his campaign. How'd you approach crafting reactions to what he was doing while also making sure to highlight what John Fetterman's all about? Well, I think first of all, like, Having a great, like truly great, amazing candidate that like is all of the values we are preaching, like makes things 10 times easier because like he he is who he is. And also like on the flip side, having an opponent that is as 
chaotic and such a character as Mehmet Oz um, was was fun. And I think that they really foiled each other, yeah. but in a way that was authentic. We weren't trying to make it a foil. It just was. Mm-hmm. You know, we could show John's authenticity and that naturally was going to highlight Oz's inauthenticity across the board. Like, yeah. and, and it wasn't in, I think, so much of what we were able to do, um, and I'll give credit again to, like, the team was was full of such, like, witty, smart people that, like, really got it and really got the brand of who John Fetterman was and what this campaign was about um, to be able to, to have fun with it. And mm-hmm. I think we were able to do it in a way that it didn't have to be mean so much yeah. so as, like, just pointing out you know, this guy's not from this state. Like, mm-hmm. that's not that's not a mean thing to say. That's not attacking mm. hi- him. It, it's just saying, like, the truth. And, like, do you want that – do you want someone who doesn't live in a state to represent that state? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, also a man who's been on TV, like, being a character and building his whatever brand yeah. it now is um, in – for so many years, there was just so much to pull from yeah. that, again, we weren't having to lie. We were just showing, yeah. like, what he's been and what he's done and what he's said. Um, and then at the same time, showing what, what John has been and what John's done and what he's said and how he's really stuck to that. And so I think, like, being able to to do that in a way that felt good and yeah. also yeah. not, like – a lot of what the other side did, I think, from the health perspective and just mm. how they were speaking to things, it felt really, like, gross. Yeah, And I was. think when we we wanted to highlight things about either John or the opponent, we wanted to do it again. John's a good guy. We didn't want to do it in a way that that was going low, as Michelle Obama mm-hmm. would say. Yeah. Um, but it's just really showing the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. What was uh, what was the Wagner's day like in the office? <laughs> oh my gosh! Because um, you guys made a sticker and sold an unbelievable amount, which earned money to go to the campaign. So I made the sticker in like <laughs> five minutes, oh and it was like it was at night. We weren't in the office, I don't think. And if any graphic You're designer, like, the office, you mean me? If <laughs> any graphic designer saw how I was like piecing together this sticker like they would be appalled but like we we made it quick and the team was again just so witty and everyone was yeah. throwing a, a ton of ideas at a time I like after about 72 hours wanted to mute both Wegner's and Crudite like <laughs> in my Twitter words I still kind of do but like it, it was really fun to see something because obviously we didn't plan that that yeah. video it had gotten re-upped <laughs> by someone on Twitter and we were like oh this is like starting to gain some traction we should like go off of this and again that that speaks to having a bunch of people who were like very online and very much know how the internet works on the team um, but it was put out by his campaign like during the primaries and so since it was the primaries we hadn't you know, been involved mm-hmm. there. But it was really fun. And I think, again, like speaking to attacking, quote unquote, like it was really wholesome. And I think the yeah. reason why everyone latched onto this was because of the how it was ridiculous. But in this just like, what are you doing, man, type of way and not in this like gross, icky way. It was everyone grocery shops. Everyone right. like is at the store with their basket or their cart and, like, understands, like, where their local grocery store, like, what the name is and, like, all these things that are really wholesome digs at someone of being like, dude, you just don't get it. And you put this up and thought it was good. Um, That it it was a fun moment on the campaign. It was a lot, but obviously, like, it it was really highlighting, again, his inauthenticity, him just not getting it in a way that was so apparent 
um, and fun. And yeah. people oh. liked to to pick at it like yeah. the whole time. Oh, to go from wholesome crudite to dead puppies was quite a <clears throat> quite a dramatic yeah. pivot. <laughs> well, now I'm embarrassed because we do have a crudite platter with guacamole on it here for you to <laughs> eat uh, guacamole and, and cauliflower. <laughs> Uh, a, a broccoli and, and broccoli. some tequila and some salsa <laughs> and salsa. Uh, we have uh, that at Betches. I so. read a survey like two. It was a poll like two weeks ago that said sixty percent of. Uh, actually, I don't know if it was people in New Jersey or Pennsylvania said that they don't want Dr. Oz to to run for local government. But what do you think? You know, not only was your campaign genius and really fun to follow for just like us as people that enjoy that type of content, but audiences and voters also responded really favorably to your approach. What do you think you were giving them, you and your team, that they were so eager to see and that we'd been missing from this kind of national campaign? I think we were having fun. And that sounds so simple, but obviously everything was still, there was still strategy and intention behind everything. You could take risks, but in a calculated way. But I think so much of behind the scenes, even at like as someone who's worked in, in corporate and brands, so much of being online is about timing and it's about being there and it's about getting it. And I think with approval processes mm. and just understanding how things are going to land, so many times people are worried of like, doing something and it being wrong. And obviously you don't want to do things that are harmful or like actually bad. But I also think that using a meme or using certain tools that we have online, like it's not that deep. Like people aren't going to be like, what is going on? As well as I think doing it in a way like on TikTok, for example, we weren't having John just dance mm -hmm. and be like mm -hmm. doing something that didn't feel like it was right to him. Mm -hmm. And so utilizing these platforms and meeting people where they were at in ways that still felt authentic, I think is something that people sometimes kind of do, but they don't really lean into and like full send it. And I think that's that we weren't going to just like kind of half do something. We were going to like, if we were going to do it, we were going to actually do it. And so I think people enjoyed that. And then I think that also carried over from being digital, but in every other thing that we were doing from the events of all over the state, um, really reaching people where they were at and making the events customized to where they were and having, you know, sentiment that was yeah. about the, the county we were in to, the the signs that we had we had Phillies for Fet fans for mm -hmm. Fetterman and Eagles fans and Penn State and all of these things that really felt that he got the people they were talking to and I mm -hmm. think that on social media we like I think I would hope that one of the reasons they hired me was because I am you know kind of from the online space and I get it and just like how you wouldn't want a senator from a different state because he doesn't mm -hmm. get your state you hire people who understand the platforms that you're trying to utilize because they're going to understand those platforms right exactly I mean you see honestly most other campaigns some are getting better it's like they put the tweet image on Instagram and it's not even well cropped and it's like you just have to have a little a little bit of nimbleness to be native to those platforms. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Uh, here's a question I have. Imposter syndrome. Do you 
experience that because you don't have to obviously like but if you do you know how do you overcome it or how do you say you know yeah i'm just like curious about your experience with that yeah i mean absolutely have imposter syndrome um after the campaign i didn't do any like i've i've had certain things um that have that i've gotten to do after the campaign which i've been really grateful for but i wasn't pitching myself or reaching mm-hmm. out to people and I, I i was like fighting for my life with imposter syndrome because it's like i understood yeah. what we did was great i understood where i was able to be helpful um but also again like this is my first cycle i'm new i also understand that i have a lot of different experience and perspectives that i'm bringing but being around i think so many people that have been through so many campaigns and so many cycles like I a, am able to learn so much from them and and it's such a privilege to be able to work along them but at the same time like I know that I'm just new and fresh and kind of like did some cool things on this one campaign but like I have to keep reminding myself that that's still like important and also the work that I did to get myself here, even though it wasn't in this space exactly, like doing stuff in this quasi-political space online, doing stuff even that wasn't in the political space, that all has led to me having the perspective and having the skill set and having the way of thinking that I have that made me hopefully impactful on, on this campaign and will help me in the future. And so, like, it has been a ride like I've been meeting people and talking to people that like a few years ago like I was just following on Twitter or I would just watch on C-SPAN and like being either colleagues with them or or getting to talk to them and them like asking for my insight Mm -hmm. is it's a constant like reminding but it's also like they're asking me for a reason and I think I have to keep keep telling telling myself that um but also at the same time like keep working because like that's my next what I'm trying to figure things out like I want to keep doing the work because Mm. I also yes I did something and I was a part of something that was really cool and important but I want to keep doing the work because Mm -hmm. that's ultimately like what got me here and also what we need to keep doing to push things forward Mm -hmm. Incredible. I'm like, I'm your biggest fan. Yeah, yeah, You're that's like awesome. killing it. Like, oh this my is God. this is kind of related. But, you know, we've discussed how young people are underestimated so much, especially in politics. I'm curious could, if you have an anecdote about a time, not even on the campaign by somebody outside of it, or even just like working in politics where you felt like you were underestimated, like where you really clocked it. I think that with, you know, what what I'm trying to figure out right now, what I'm talking to a lot of people about is they have seen what we were doing on this campaign and they're like and they they see the young voter turnout and everyone's like surprised Mm. and I think as someone Mm. who's in this space as a young person who like this is my future like it all feels so obvious right it's like why wouldn't young people care why wouldn't you want to reach them why but I think like we constantly underestimate these things and still like even when they are notable like even when we see young voter turnout we're like oh well was this a fluke or was this because of xyz when we couldn't be investing into things like reaching young people doing things in the digital space in innovative and creative ways and being you know leaders in this space rather than followers i i think like i had the privilege to be able to do this 
fun TikTok campaign that was really like a full-fledged thing that people, they might not have understood, but they understood like how we needed to be there. Um, But, you know, people now are like, oh, TikTok's important. And it's 2023. (laughs) Like it's been important. It's been a tool that we could utilize. And like, why are we just now finding out? So I think that that's something that I'm still trying to like, give my field pitch to literally and mm-hmm. anyone I, I meet of like, okay, well, we're, we're seeing that these things are powerful and that there are ways to utilize them. Why don't we scale this? How do we go further? How do we continue to make this happen? How do we knowledge share? Because, you know, as I'm figuring out what's next for me, is it is it the best for me to just go from campaign to campaign to campaign? Like, Mm-hmm. probably be really tired, live <laughs> yeah. a million places, like not make friends and like yeah. just make stuff along the way. Or is there a way that we can mm-hmm. be building something in a larger, more sustainable and more impactful way that has like a bit more strategy behind it in a long-term scale? Because I think like when I think about the right and the left, mm-hmm. the right is so good, unfortunately, mm-hmm. at at like end end goal, like end game, what's our what's our game plan to make this long term thing happen? And on the left, like, A, we are fighting a million battles, which yeah. makes it tough. And we are very reactive, but can we be proactive? And I think we underestimate the power of being proactive and in in these spaces. Like you said, like when it's happening, you have to react authentically in the moment, native to the platform, otherwise everyone's gonna see through it. Yeah, and I literally I'm like nodding and looking at Amanda because every week I'm like, the left we need to play offense and we just play defense all the time. Yeah. And the right really dicks to you know, again, I just sent this thing of like in Florida is a great example of there are a lot of really big, big issues in Florida, teacher shortage, uh, inflation, housing crisis. And what is Ron DeSantis doing? Like talking about drag queens, you know, and it's just like they they like control the conversation. So it's like I'm you know, I'm obsessed and I love the idea of like having a progressive, sustainable proactive experimental thing you know which Mm -hmm. that's the i mean i think that's the the fascinating and really cool thing that i really uh respect your campaign you know is that like it's taking that experimentation that's so successful in social media and with politics too which is like you know known not for being like the most cutting edge or experimental space and like seeing a way like to organically combine the two and i think we were like as we talked about earlier, we were good at going on the offense with our campaign, which mm-hmm. a lot of campaigns I think Absolutely. are scared to do. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we were able to do it in a way that wasn't nasty and felt like off. Yes. But we were able to define and show who the opponent was. And I think we're we're so scared sometimes on the left to do that. Yep. And there's I think we showed that there is a way to talk about an opponent and really highlight who they are and what they unfortunately stand for um, that can be effective and we don't have to shy away from that. Mm -hmm. And our comms team was incredible at placing so many stories and doing so much of that too. Like I said, like everyone from every single piece of this campaign like really got it. Yeah, yeah. What makes you, yeah, I know. It's like, if only George Santos, the (laughs) planet, did a little bit of John Fetterman stuff, where would we be right now? what makes you excited about politics? Oh, um, as like, I think I'm really, I feel like I come off as a really happy, like outgoing, you know, type, type of person. And when I get to talking about politics, I always say like, I'm, 
I'm like a cynic to my core mm-hmm. and I'm I'm really pessimistic and I probably am realistic to a fault to kind of try to protect things and that's probably because my first election that I was presidential election that I could vote for was 2016 yeah, yeah. um so <laughs> trauma response yeah but I think that like I and I think why I do this work and why I have to be in it is because there there are so many battles and things that we're fighting for and if I'm not in it I'm just you know spiraling about it mm, and so I like I, I think doing doing work and being in it and doing things where I can, talking to people where I can, whatever it might be, like I'm trying to do my part. And am I doing a perfect job? Probably not. Am I doing absolutely everything I can? Like I have to sleep. I have to try <laughs> to have a life. You know, I'm I'm trying to balance all of it, but like I'm trying to do what I can. And I think that's what, what keeps me going. And we have had small wins along the way. We've also had, you know, some large losses unfortunately like it was just the what would have been 50th anniversary Mm -hmm. of Roe like what was it yesterday and so like but I think there are small wins and there are small glimpses of like I try to think that people are like mostly good and I think that like that's really hard especially in this space and especially when there are like really really (laughs) demonic people on the (laughs) other side like doing crazy scary stuff but I think like Again, being from someone who's from a rural, small, conservative town, like, I meet people there. I know people there. And they aren't just, like, all the way gone. Like, you can talk to them. We can find common ground. Every person you meet, like, in in that small town is going to know what it feels like when you go to the grocery store and prices are higher. Like, Mm -hmm. all of us want to go to school and feel safe. Mm -hmm. Like, all of us want to be able to live fruitful lives and take care of the people around us. Unfortunately, there are aspects that like we disagree on how that can be done, Mm -hmm. but I think it's trying to get people there because at the end of the day, like not everyone, but most people want like the same things. It's just, again, misinformation, disinformation, like lack of context, lack of understanding the, the other like systemic issues with with things that we have to talk through and educate. And, you know, with the organizing group that I was in, they they did a lot of deep canvassing, which is just having mm-hmm. long conversations with people. And that is one of the the most effective ways, proven to be one of the most effective ways to get people to start to maybe think of thinking things in a different way or understanding. Because having conversations. We all want to connect. We all want to feel included. We all want to feel all of these things. And so I think that those moments of humanity are what really excite yeah. me. It's when I meet people on the campaign trail and they tell you why they care about it. It's even like, like I said, like my dad is from, from York, like John Fetterman and has a lot of things that like he, why he liked him as a person and seeing my dad see a guy that he feels represents him in the U.S. Senate now, like that that is a great moment. Mm-hmm. And so I think these these moments of humanity, these moments when people, I was down in Georgia um, after the campaign. I, I went down <laughs> there crazy. for the runoffs. But like I was, we, we went to lunch at a, a Korean barbecue place and talked to the owner and we showed him um, some, some literature that had translations. And mm. like it was a group of Asian American people just going and supporting his restaurant and talking to him like a person and yeah. a lot of people like 
it wasn't it wasn't necessarily to get the vote. That's not why we were there. But we talked to him like a person, and we showed him that we cared. And we were people in you know his AAPI community that cared, and we gave him the translated literature. And he came back to our table, and he said, you know, that is why I'm deciding to vote for Raphael Warnock. Mm. And it's those little moments, you know, that are that are small wins that I think bring me joy and show me that like there is a difference that we can each be making. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Take it from a winner. That is the strategy. Thank you so much, <laughs> Thank Annie. You so much. Uh, we're so excited to follow you uh, everywhere you go. It is exhausting just to watch. That is our show. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. And this is Millie Tamaris. And this is The Betchessa Podcast. Bye. The Betchessa Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sazmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sazmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at suppod at betches.com. Betches.